0: I have a one woman show called From Southern Belle to Mrs. Cartel. Uh, I uh, erroneously uh, married, uh, when I was very young, a member of the Cali Cartel and didn't know it. Um, oh my God. Yeah, so that was a thing. How like, did as you, you get do. Out of that? As you do. You know, if you've heard that story once, you've heard it a thousand times. Oh the girl God. that meets a member of the Cali Cartel doesn't know it and marries him.
1: Welcome to Persister with Candice Lowry. I am Candice Lowry. What is a persister? A persister is a little play on words of, nevertheless she persisted, but also a woman who has truly broken through that glass ceiling and has really forged a path and a name for herself in whatever business she's in. Persister with Candice Lowry is a CastBox original produced alongside Studio 71. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both Both iOS and Android, where you can find all of your favorite podcasts. You can listen to Persister with Candice Lowry wherever you get your podcasts, but I hope you'll give CastBox a shot because I think it's the best. Everybody. Welcome back to Persister with Candace Lowry. I am Candace Lowry, and I am so excited to not only have Donna Thomas here, but have her little dog. Dorothy. <laughs> Dorothy. And um she's gonna be joining us as well. But I feel like there are so many things I want to touch on with you from being like this badass businesswoman in entertainment to kind of fulfilling this need to have uh to give back mm-hmm. um but also touch the me too movement as Great. well. So Happy um, to. yeah. So right now you're the SVP of sales at Vubiquity, correct? Right? And you came from uh Technicolor. Right. Right.
0: Um yes. <laughs> I came from Technicolor before that. Um but I've been in the media and in- entertainment industry since college. So mm-hmm. Uh, just this last probably ten years have been on kind of the post post production side mm-hmm. um, and the finishing side, but in content mm-hmm. since the very beginning. So, Ubiquity is you might have never heard of Ubiquity, but they're a we're a distribution company that now does you know post production and finishing, and I deal with all the studios. So they brought me in to develop relationships with the studios mm-hmm. and bring uh, business into the company.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I saw it kind of works with. Rights and where it can stream, uploading things like that, which I feel like is becoming a bigger and bigger business now. Yeah, because of all the streaming companies.
0: Correct, correct. So if you look at like kind of the kind of the life of a of a title, if you will, mm-hmm. um, you know, it goes into pre production and then production, and then there's the finishing work, and then that that goes to its first place, whether it be theatrical or you know first run on FX or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. But then that's an asset that they, the company or the content owner then sells to, could be a number of distributors globally. So we we do all of that. We, we do the film finishing, we take the title, and we distribute it to over 1,400 people globally. And it's all digital media,
1: supply chain. <laughs> it's not sexy. Yeah, but, but it's, it's important. <laughs> but it's important. So like, for example, if, um, let's just say like a toy story, uh, wants to get on Netflix or Hulu, how do they decide which streaming platform to go on to?
0: Well, I think if you have content and you're wanting to to monetize it, Mm -hmm. then you're going to want that content to be every place possible, Mm -hmm. right? So bigger content providers do their own content deals. Um, So it's not unusual. I've got a big content provider right now that I'm working on launches with Netflix, Amazon, iTunes, Mm YouTube TV and a number of other people, and they're launching 2,000 titles, kind of their library, all at one time because they want that content to be on every single platform. Mm-hmm. There's a cost associated with that and pretty steep ones sometimes uh, just for preparing the content mm. and getting it up on the platform because it's not like preparing it once. It's like this whole complex um, system we've created for ourselves. Right. And, um, it's, it's hard to monetize your content. Now, if you're a small content provider, you have like an independent film or something like that, you would probably need somebody like, uh, lack like of ubiquity that mm-hmm. licenses content mm-hmm. for the content provider and then makes it available on different platforms. So, you know, we offer services to, you know, the big giant studios and then little people trying to figure <laughs> out how to get their work seen, yeah. you know?
1: Well, I always get excited when I hear about these great films that were at like, the Venice Film Festival or things like that. And I can't find them in theaters, but then when they finally get on Netflix or something, I'm mm-hmm. so excited because yeah. I can finally see them. It's true. It's it's, it's tough out
0: there. It's, yeah. it's, distribution is uh, Distribution is the name of the game. You know, whether you're trying to get your show, sell a show mm-hmm. to a network that then has availability to, you know, hundreds of millions of people, or you're an independent content creator that's trying to get your stuff seen. You know, you put it up on Vimeo, you know, yeah. some people might watch it. Um, you do the festival circuit. I, I also make films, so yeah, yeah we've got a horror f- film that's in the festival circuit right now. So you do the festival um, circuit, and then what does that mean? Yeah, you know, what do you do with you that? Wait for
1: people to buy it, yeah, right? acquire yeah. it, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so you, I'm interested because this almost feels like a job that has gotten bigger as time's gone on. And so when you you went to school in Georgia, right? right? So what? Did you initially want to do that brought you out to LA? Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so
0: honestly, I did not have kind of aspirations necessarily of being in the entertainment industry Mm -hmm. even
1: though i was in pageants (laughs) oh my god a southern pageant girl yes oh Uh, i grew up in texas and my mom grew up in texas with southern pageant girl (laughs) too. yes
0: and i have uh also i don't know if you saw my bio i have a one-woman show called from southern belle to mrs cartel (laughs) Uh, i uh, erroneously uh married uh, when i was very young a member of the cali cartel and didn't (laughs) know it Um, oh my god yeah so that was a thing like as you 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 do as you do (laughs) you know if you've heard that story once you've heard it a thousand times the girl that meets a member of the cali cartel doesn't know it and marries him (laughs) um so actually what what had happened was i was i was married to him and um not because he was a cali cartel member but because of another reason his violence and other things it was not a fun time uh i had left him and one of the things I was still in college and one of the things that he had done uh, while we were married is he sent me to school to learn word perfect and Lotus One Two Three. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'm like, you know, I'm an independent woman, you know, so I'm gonna get a temp job. So uh-huh. serious st- true story. I got a temp job at Discovery Channel. Oh, whoa. And it was a satellite office in Atlanta. And I was working 20 hours a week and, uh, you know, doing Lotus one two three, <laughs> and And I was just getting my bearings back and, like, you know, getting excited about life again. And, you know, three weeks into that job, they came to me and said, we're closing the office. And I remember, you know, Ugh. you have these times in your life where, you know, they're defining moments. Kind of like a sliding door saying it's going to go one way or the other. Yeah. And that that voice inside of us knows Maybe we don't know what to do with it, but we know. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: you know, as awful as, uh, those are stories for another day, but as (laughs) awful as that situation was, this was to me was like, this is devastating. And I just knew I was in my home and couch in the dark. And I was like, if I don't get a job there, I'm never going to be able to change the trajectory of my life. Mm. I just knew. So I put my suit on with my shoulder pads and, (laughs) you know, my mall bangs and I went in the next day and... My boss at the time, her name's Kim Martin. She was uh, also a pageant girl from Milledgeville, <laughs> Georgia. Pageant <laughs> <channel>. Yep, she's <laughs> a little bit older than me. And um, I said, so not confidently, confidently, um, will you move me too? And she laughed and she said, you don't work here. You're a temp. <laughs> and I took that opportunity to make this impassioned plea. I, I don't exactly remember the exact words I said, but I was like, please believe in me. And take a chance on me I swear to you you will never regret it mm. and it wasn't until years later after I wrote the show that I asked her why but yeah. she did and she got me a job I didn't even have a job I was a temp got me a job as an administrative assistant and they paid to move me
1: wow to DC
0: which I can't imagine what a lottery win for me but, yeah but I also asked and I fought for what I wanted and I got up there, and with six years, I was Senior Vice President <laughs> of Affiliate Sales and Marketing. So That's insane. I often say to Kim, um, she's the only person that really met Mark, the Columbia drug lord in my uh, adult life. <laughs> the drug lord. Uh, And I said, uh, I often say to her when I see her, thank you, you know, for saving my life, and thank you for changing my life. And she always says, I didn't save your life. You did. But it's two things for success. It's, mm-hmm. it's one, finding an environment that values what you bring to the table, right? If I were, if Discovery at that time valued Wharton MBAs, mm-hmm. and we only hire Wharton MBAs or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, people from Harvard, whatever it may be, then that would not have been a place where I could have thrived because mm-hmm. that wasn't my situation. Mm-hmm. But at that time in the industry, um, the Discovery in particular was a place that you could try new things you could learn and grow and you could just kind of move and create not create your own destiny you had to you know work hard and do the right things but it's finding a company or a person that believes in you and the value that you bring and then just working harder than everybody else Mm -hmm. and it's not that hard to work harder than everybody else it really isn't isn't. i've noticed that (laughs) it isn't
1: and the amount that people complain
0: about never say it's not my job yeah never never say it's not my job You know the trajectory of going from an administrative assistant to senior vice president in that short of a period of time was phenomenal and it was Mm -hmm. a great experience and I left because um, one of my mentors who had been the COO of Charter Communications was starting a streaming company in Atlanta Mm. and she had investors and so, and I'm from Georgia, so I mm-hmm. wanted to go back home. And I, when I left to go there, I remember being on the phone with clients at times. Um, I think of the world as phone, 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 <laughs> phone, you know, phone, phone, uh, phone, <laughs> phone, 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 <laughs> phone, um, like, what is this thing you're doing? I'd be like, I can't hear you because I didn't know what streaming media was. Yeah. And um, then 9-11 happened and the investors shut the door like they did on many companies mm-hmm. and Discovery is owned by a company, Liberty Media, out of, um, it's a big media company, and they asked me to come out to California to work for Ascent Media,
1: mm.
0: who was years later sold to Deluxe. So I came out to work for Ascent Media and just kind of business strategy and development. And, you know, a couple years into that, um, there was an issue with a studio and that needed someone to handle it that knew how to handle a customer experience. And my boss at the time, Jose, he's a, he was the CEO of Ascent. Um, he's since, he passed away very young with uh, cancer. He was a wonderful human. He's just like, I don't care if you don't know this, but you know how to take care of a customer. So that's how I was assigned and, and got into kind of the digital media space as mm. it relates to post-production. And like I didn't know what an encode was. I didn't know what a transcode was. Yeah. I thought a fig was a fruit, but it's French, <laughs> French, Italian, German, Spanish. You know, <laughs> I knew nothing. But every day when I talked to Paramount every morning, and we still do it because the guy, the gentleman at Paramount is my producing partner now for mm. independent movies. And I, every day I would call him and I would say, good morning, Mike. It's a brand new day and no PO, no delivery. <laughs> and every day, you know, we just rebuilt that relationship. Yeah. And. I learned a a lot of technical information and I'm not a technical person, but I learned about workflows and I learned, you know, kind of this new space and I'm lucky that I did so Mm -hmm. because if you're not growing and you're not learning something new, you you just, you're not evolving. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, I'm a confident person, but I felt stupid for about two years in every meeting. Mm-hmm. I, my fr- my best friend, she works with me now. Carrie, we were talking about it yesterday. On the, we were over at Lionsgate yesterday, and we were coming home, and we were thinking about a meeting we were in about six years ago, with DreamWorks, and it was an area of the business, like color grading and stuff. We didn't know much about it at the time, and he used so many acronyms in that meeting. We we're like, hmm, yes, mm-hmm, fake it, <laughs> sure, mm-hmm. yes, thank you. You know, we, no idea what he said. Yeah, the whole meeting, but you could easily say shame on this company for not teaching me or like hey you know i can't do my job you know because i don't know all these things but no it's your life is in your hands it's entirely up to you to to go for what you want to do and learn what you need to learn to do your job
1: yeah and you bring up a good point of being like wanting to be challenged and i remember when i was working at buzzfeed it was this shock that i was leaving and i kind of got to a point where i felt comfortable and complacent and i wanted something new to do that was challenging and people didn't really understand that and i think that sometimes people are afraid to move because that means it's something new and it might be a risk but it it sounds like that it's so worth it because you're learning so much more yeah and
0: and I've really loved working in the the entertainment uh, the entertainment industry. Like I said, I didn't have aspirations of of doing so, um, but being a pageant person and then also <laughs> uh, drama in high school, yeah. um, you know, it was something that I always wanted to do. And I I tried my hand at stand up uh, in New York a while back, um, even though I didn't live in New York, I was in New York all the time for business, and and then I just got so busy with life, I didn't really. You know, pursue it again until I moved to LA Mm
1: -hmm.
0: proper because I lived in San Diego for about eight years, but and and worked in LA and commuted. But um, then I felt like I wasn't fearless anymore; like Mm I had gotten complacent. And I'm like, I went to circus school. I'm terrible. (laughs) What?
1: Yeah, I love how we've learned so far. Circus school, ex cartel. Yeah, circus school. I'm terrible.
0: (laughs) You know, the lira is not for me. It's for (laughs) tiny you little people um i can't climb a rope you know not like yeah. clown school but actual like do the acrobatic stuff oh
1: that stuff is hard but yeah
0: i learned <laughs> and um i had bruises in the back of my legs and somebody from work said who did that to you i'm like
1: alira me <laughs> i did
0: it um but then i took an improv class and thinking you know this will be you know something fun to do just to get myself back out there and then it kind of it ended up being something that i was passionate about Um, I'm an advocate that every business person should take an improv class Mm -hmm. because it teaches you like the tenets of teamwork and saying yes and you know thinking outside the box and if your if your teammate steps out and does something ridiculous Mm -hmm. instead of being like look at that idiot you know it's like oh let me let me make what you did look brilliant (laughs) yeah Yeah, instead
1: of like look at dum-dum you know. (laughs) So when uh, the one thing that I've noticed in just in the brief time I've been in entertainment is that at some companies I get to, they are so open and welcoming to all races, genders, everything. But at a certain point, I notice it kind of stops and it just becomes like all men. And I think that it has definitely opened my eyes recently. And a lot of other women I work with sometimes feel that way. And we want to to break. I mean, there is truly that glass ceiling. And so I'm wondering since you know, you're up there and you've made it. How, you know, what advice you'd give to a young woman who is kind of discouraged by seeing that at her company? Um, ugh.
0: <laughs> I'm discouraged because um, diversity is something that's been talked about for a long time. And I remember mm, maybe 10 years ago, so not that long ago, um, diversity was talked about as a um, as a subject and I was part of this women's leadership group.
1: Mm-hmm. and
0: one of the executives at a big media company was like what do you of course we have diversity I mean look at our marketing department our Mm -hmm. customer service department no that's not what we're talking about we're talking about you know representation I i it dawned on me recently I was invited to a meeting that for some reason I was invited to it and I really shouldn't have been there (laughs) I think it was an accident but I went in and it was mainly men it was a money meeting so mainly men mainly men in their white men in their 60s. And the things that they were talking about, you know, like high, high, high level corporate um, issues. I'm like, oh, this is why representation matters, because what we think about, like our problems on a Mm -hmm. daily basis, even if they're very important problems, to the corporation, it's nothing compared to the conversations that are happening at that level in corporate America or that level in politics or that level of academia, it kind of doesn't matter. Right. and I, I honestly think from my perspective that I thought, like, there's a time when you can get to a point in your career where you can walk into a room and a man in particular, because that's what we're talking about, mm-hmm. will realize, oh, she's a senior vice president. She has to have value, like, mm-hmm. even if I didn't know her before. Now, like, she has uh, good thoughts and good opinions and things to bring to the table. I should listen to her and in many ways, it's still like, oh, we let you in the room. We didn't mean for you to talk,
1: mm-hmm. you know.
0: And and I have a good career, but yeah. these are the still the things that you know people who don't mean to um, that you know tell you that Shh, the men are talking. Or um, really recently in a meeting, a, a, another female exec was like, you know, it was really cold in that meeting, and a man exec said, "Oh, are you menopausal?" Which is like, oh my god. Like, I mean, oh. or when you don't get something done and you, you have to complain about it as a woman, like, hey, yeah. John, I mean, I know you're busy, mm-hmm. but I mean, would you mind if, it, I mean, if you have a minute, mm-hmm. you know, versus like John that was supposed I to deliver it. yesterday, why isn't it that way? I had an issue recently, kind of similar to that, I, for nine weeks, nothing happened. And finally, I sent a stern email and I'm told that my histrionics are unappreciated. Like would you talk to a man that way, Ugh. you know? And this is something that I love, right? So you're never going to. I don't think we're ever going to eradicate it. Yeah. So I think that, you know, you can, you can complain or you can you can raise, you know, holy hell, which depending on your mood that day or your your level of being exhausted, having to deal with it, mm-hmm. um, or you figure out how to to change the system from the inside and do the best you can. Um, I think a part of diversity and part of getting to where you are is people in those rooms don't understand Mm. that they are what bringing another voice and perspective would mean because you do hire people who are like you Mm -hmm. and so unless you make a concerted effort to hire you know diverse voices it's not going to happen yeah you know yeah but for people who are discouraged by it And, you know, like I go home and I, you know, eat a pint of ice cream or, you know, I listen, somebody, you know, somebody told me recently uh, as if they were Jesus giving me a parable. They said, Donna, listen, I once had a female friend at work that um, was having uh, trouble with a male colleague. And I told her, listen, I get it that history probably brought you here, but. If your button were smaller, he'd be less likely to push it. So you should probably shrink your (laughs) button. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is so bad. I can let you read the text. (laughs) and to be a, like you said, to, like to be a bad, I am a badass. And also I'm a sweet Southern lady. Yeah, so like I, feelings. Get back, yeah, I get back to my office and I read this to my two office mate. One's a guy, one's a, and I'm like, is this offensive? And they were like, what? Yes. yes. And this is a good guy that's in it. I think he was trying to help. <laughs> and so we made shirts that said shrink your button, but.
1: Oh God. Well. <laughs> This is fascinating, interesting, um, helpful, and so. so I maybe wanna, I'm telling people that the world is horrible and no. you know
0: <laughs> that there's no
1: hope. <laughs> no, there's but, always hope. Um, I want to take a quick break, really fast, and then get back into it and talk about more of your experiences and how you're kind of breaking through that as well. So we'll be right back falls in full swing at ModCloth. If you're not already curled up in a sweater, like me, they've got you covered with cozy essentials and cute knits that won't quit. ModCloth has tons of stylish outerwear that is sure to make an impression. Feeling festive? Be sure to check out their holiday gift guide featuring unique finds and perfect prezzies for everyone on your list, yourself included. Prep for those upcoming holiday parties with Mod Cloth Party Boutique. Discover everything from sheer lace to luxe velvet to irresistible sparkle. It's sure to be a night to remember and an outfit you will never forget. ModCloth believes fashion should celebrate all women. That's why they offer a full range of sizes from extra extra small to 4X. Got questions about fit? Their team of mod stylists can hook you up with complimentary sizing and styling to help. I personally love Modcloth because the material and everything that you get just feels good and it feels very well made, Um, but I also love the fact that they have year-round rompers and jumpsuits because that's who I am and that's what I wear constantly, Um, so that's my thing, but they also have very unique clothes and very unique patterns, so they're always conversation starters. So I will definitely be getting some velvet jumpsuits from the site, especially for Christmas, and I might get some sweaters because I just love dressing like I'm basically in pajamas every day. To get 15% off your purchase of $100 or more, go to com and enter code PERSISTER at checkout. Once again, that's modcloth.com slash P-E-R-S-I-S-T-E-R at checkout. This offer is valid for one-time use only and expires February 2nd, 2019. Okay, I want to talk about LinkedIn here. So the right hire can make a huge impact on your business, and that's why it's so important to find the right person but where do you even find that individual? You could try posting on job boards, but can you really be sure the right person sees your job? Instead, find the person who will help you grow your business with LinkedIn. And I have gotten All of my jobs off of LinkedIn. And it has been incredibly important for my career growth. And as the world's largest professional network, people go to LinkedIn every day to grow professionally and discover job opportunities. And 70% of the U.S. workforce is already there. LinkedIn jobs matches people to your role based on more of who they really are. So their skills, interests, and even how open they are to new opportunities, which is great because sometimes when I'm looking, I'll just mark myself as open. (laughs) This way your job gets seen by more of the right people. Most LinkedIn members haven't recently visited the top job boards, but nine out of 10 members are open to new opportunities. So you can only reach them on LinkedIn. That's why a new hire is made every 10 seconds using LinkedIn. And businesses rate LinkedIn 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates. So hurry up to linkedin.com slash persister and get $50 off your first job post. That's LinkedIn dot com slash persister p-e-r-s-i-s-t-e-r to get $50 off your first job post linkedin.com slash persister terms and conditions apply hello everybody welcome back to persister i have donna thomas with me and i feel like i am learning a lot right now about just i don't know i i I run into this, even though I don't want to fall into the stereotype, I still have a problem being confrontational. And like you said, like, I don't want to say not taking no for an answer, but you know what I mean? Is not necessarily seeing a missed opportunity as just that, you know? And it, it feels like having that representation is so important and it's just so frustrating because it's like, why is it so hard to get there? You know what I mean? Yep. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, just regular
0: rules apply on you going for your dreams and doing the best you can and waking up every day and working your plan. You know, Mm -hmm. make your plan, work your plan. You can't control other people. Pick companies that, you know, like I said, it's so important. Value what you bring to the table. And confrontation is an interesting thing, uh, especially when you're trying to, to rise You know, as a as a woman, anytime you speak directly to somebody or there's a lot of sensitivity around, you know, there you go, being all aggressive again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a man can say the same thing. So you do have to change your strategy. And I think a lot of people today might think, I just want to be me. Like, I shouldn't have to change who I am. Well, you do. I mean, because you're just if you think of it as a strategy to get to where I want to go and this person's in between me. Why are you going to give that person all the power because you just want to, you know, like, no, it's a game. It Mm -hmm. is. And the, it's confrontation to me, like, I I have it. Um, You know, yesterday got the best of me, but um, (laughs) I, but I generally view confrontation as um, not confrontation, as something of like just an issue I have to get resolved. And when I think of it that way, and then I can push past it and move through it. And oftentimes I think the difference between those who succeed and those those who don't is like at some point you're like, well, if I don't care, I mean, if you don't care and I've brought this to your attention a million times, why should I, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know? And then maybe have a day or a week where you're like, screw it. But then one day you gotta get up and suit up and you gotta Mm -hmm. go back and you gotta get what you want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, try a million ways to do it. Like if you're a woman like, hey, would you mind? You know, here's some cake you know, you know, I'm going to take you out and beat the shit out of you. Like, Mm -hmm. you can can try all of the approaches, but never stop trying to advance yourself to where you want to be in life. Because I I tell people that when they interview for jobs, you know, get, even if you think you don't want the job, you're like, get the job, Mm -hmm. let it be, get the offer, let it be your decision not to take it. Mm -hmm. Don't lose an opportunity, you know, before it's even offered to you. Like, keep pushing and getting as many opportunities given to you as possible if you decide not to take them that's fine and don't consider conflict oftentimes conflict consider it as like this is just one more it's like an escape room just one more door that I got to figure out how to get the key to Mm -hmm. and I win Mm -hmm. you know I win today I might not win tomorrow but I'll win the day
1: it's It's exhausting yeah and I, I recently got a um a job offer and I was talking to my dad about it And it just like showed the difference between me and him because both my parents grew up in sales and executive and he and I felt bad that I had to leave the job. And he's like, you literally need to think about yourself and think about your path and what you're doing and stop caring so much about what people think. And like every time now I have to make a decision, I'm like, what would my dad (laughs) do? Because he's such a straight shooter. And I think emotionally and sometimes you do have to kind of pull that back and not use it as much. Even though it is helpful in some ways, but um yeah, and I, I think, you know, talking about confrontation, I wanted to discuss the um post that you wrote for a Huffington Post. Yeah. Um, where you talked about me too, but it was interesting because your abuser came forward and apologized. Correct. Which is not very common to see. No, and I think it talks a lot about redemption, but also about you were talking about how people remember things. Yep, and how it can take time.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, this is something that happened. I call it the thing before the thing <laughs> because it happened. I left that scenario that's written about in Huffington Post straight into the safety of. The Colombian Dark Lord. So <laughs> for me, like that period of my life, uh, when that happened, what 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 happened with, with Danny, he's a Marine. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very young and um, he got a job at a shoe store. I was an adult, Kenny shoe store. And mm-hmm. um, I fell in love with this Marine and I just, you know, I decided I needed to run away from home and move to California and be with him. And my mother was too old to understand what love was. And I um, and was trying to squash my life. Mm-hmm. And um, so I went, married him, didn't tell my family, and was happy for a little while. Um, I even went to San Diego State University and didn't remember it. He told me just recently. Like, that's p- how my memories were kind of failing me. Mm. But uh, he beat me very badly. And I literally left. I called my mother. She came out. I think I'm the original ghoster. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I I left and we never spoke again. Mm. And so as a good Southern uh, mom would do is this is an incident that did not happen and we will mm. not discuss it mm. ever again because it was shameful for me to have done that. And um, so I just moved on with my life. And I think I say in the article over the years as I'd pull a credit report, then that name would appear. And so I remembered it. Mm-hmm. But my mother passed away this summer and I found an article. I found her journal. I didn't know she kept a journal. Uh, she typed it and then she printed it out and put it in a folder. Uh, and so I found the folder <laughs> and it, well, there's a, uh, an entry that said Donna ran away from home. You know, She followed a Marine, California, he beat her. I came to get her up, that's it. And I was like, oh yeah, that, that happened. And I told my friend about it, my best friend, Carrie, like a couple weeks later. And it was really hard for me to say the words and I married him. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a, it's a deep, deep shame. Not that I got married, but I guess because I made such a bad mistake. And then two weeks later, I'm sitting at my living room table with some friends of mine, and one of those weird Facebook messages popped up from the non-friend, and Mm -hmm. it was him. He's like, hi, Donna, you know, how are you doing? And my friend said, you like, you just saw a ghost. And I'm like, I I I did. did. (laughs) And it took me a minute, and uh, then I had to tell them, and I told them what was going on. And I just said, I'm fine. How are you? And then he came back with a uh, immediately out of the gate with a big apology. And it was so interesting how my friends, a couple of friends, uh, two of my guy friends, we were at Warner Brothers, and when we were leaving, they're like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, oh, no, no, <laughs> I was explaining what had just happened, and, and both of them were like, you know, fuck that guy. And yeah. I'm like, why? Because I thought how nice that was that he yeah. reached out, right? And he said, because he's trying to get something for himself. You know, he has something he needs to solve for himself, Which is so interesting about, like, perceptions of people. For me, I felt like, oh, wow, this is nice that, like, somebody even made an effort to uh, acknowledge what had happened. Mm -hmm. And so we we were messaging and we didn't talk and, uh, because I wouldn't talk at first. We were messaging and we kind of, like, we're talking about memories and There are many things that I didn't remember going to San Diego State. Like, you didn't remember hitting me with a helmet. (laughs) You know, like, I I couldn't tell you where we lived. I know the city that we lived in. I almost couldn't tell you the year it happened. So when this was going on with Christine Blasey Ford and people were like, oh, if you don't know where it happened, it didn't happen. So it was very triggering. But I woke up the next day and I thought, I wonder if he'd be willing to write about this because this is pretty darn special. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I didn't understand. I thought he never thought about it a day again in his life. They beat me, and I laughed, and the on. world went on. Yeah, And I didn't understand that his life could have been affected, you know, in whatever ways it was affected. Mm-hmm. And that was fascinating to me. So my premise was, you know, can a guy, a guy in this instance do a bad thing and be a, become a good person? We'll never know. And if he's listening, you know, like we'll mm-hmm. never know. Is he a good man? Mm-hmm. I choose to believe yes. Um, that's kind of not the point of forgiveness because I don't have to live his life. Uh, he felt bad enough to reach out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, when I see things like, oh, 60 women signed a piece of paper that said Kavanaugh was a good guy. I'm like, and also there's a show on Discovery ID channel called American Monster, <laughs> where there's always a 55 year old you know, woman yeah, or man watching a brand new video of their dad giving him a piggyback ride and he was the best dad in the world, but he killed yeah. 13 people. Yeah, Those two things can live in the world together. And he, I gotta say, I said, you know, he didn't know I was a writer so, you know, he's, I'm like, will you write this article with me?" Mm-hmm. And to his credit, he he did. And it's been really the first time we ever talked on the phone. I probably cried mm. half uh, for half the call, and my my emotional state was not very, very good. Um, and my brother was furious. Um, he came out. I have a benefit show at Comedy Central once a year. and um he came out and I told him we were writing this article, and my brother got really angry. And i was like why are you he's a preacher he's a great guy i'm like Mm. why are you so angry you know preachers are supposed to forgive (laughs) but apparently that night again i didn't remember i got to a phone like while it was happening and just you remembered phone numbers back then yeah i must have done my brother in the middle of the night in atlanta Mm. and he heard the second half of the beating so for my Mm. brother the beating was still very visceral like i don't remember the words and Mm. i don't remember the tone I just remember being in the hospital with that tube down my nose to get the blood out of my stomach. Mm. Like That I remember, but um, what what wound that I had that I didn't really understand that I had, now I do, is when he apologized and we started talking about like why we even got together in the first place and what our life was like, and that hole is covered now with the reality of the memories, good and bad, mm-hmm. not just shame and fear and distrust. Something interesting that came from the article, I, I was—I think I was telling you that I didn't get trolled that much on the article because there was a man saying that he did it. Mm-hmm. And why we don't believe women is, is fascinating to me because there's just no benefit to coming forward with something years later. I put in the article and they, it, it, we went a different path towards the end. I said, you know, I could have gone my whole life without telling anybody about danny mm-hmm. but if i turned on the tv one day and saw him being confirmed as a supreme court justice i would i would i would have yeah and that would have been my motivation
1: yeah and that's what upset me so much about the whole kavanaugh dr ford thing because it's like if you just like j- if you just admit it like yeah it, like you said it doesn't automatically make you a horrible person for the rest of your life no. you can change and That's what got so frustrating where they were like, well, he doesn't remember, so it didn't happen. And it's like, that's not really
0: fair. No. (laughs) You know? that's exactly right. If he, you know, it's for me. It's when he was on Fox News and said, "You know, I was in Bible class. I wasn't. You know, it's like, yeah. come on. We all know you're a frat guy, and that's okay. Yeah. And we all know you were drunk for three out of four years of college, and that's okay. Yeah. You could just say, I was drunk the whole time. I'm mortified that I could have done this to a woman. I don't remember it, mm-hmm. but God help me if, if I, did, I did, it, did. I'm so
1: sorry.' That's and he it. came. And it's like I remember when, because I grew up loving Lucy K, and when all this stuff came out, I was just so upset but there was also another part where he admitted it and said I am a horrible person for doing this uh, and that, that part of that I'm like you know I respect you for doing that and at least like not denying something that actually happened and owning it
0: and just reaching out like the the fact that Danny reached out I was very suspect at first because the timing was so weird um, I'm like how did you because he apparently been looking for me and um, he he never had Netflix and he got Netflix one Sunday and he was watching a football documentary that had a football player from Warner Robins, Georgia, which is where I'm from. Mm. And he's like, oh, Warner Robbins. So he typed in Donna Thomas, Warner Robbins. And mm-hmm. then I came up and he immediately reached out. And it, it you know, it's, it's really, it's fascinating to me that ha- having these conversations with him, I do feel like I, I remember, you know, for me, what's Hard. I got really attacked on Facebook over some mm-hmm. of this stuff before the article went out, which really shocked me. Um, and I'm like, "Do you really want to go here? This is not political. It's it's this is not a partisan issue. This is not a Republican-Democratic yeah, issue. Not. You know, I've been loved by two men. Uh, two men have loved me in my life. One almost one beat me to death, and the other one killed my kid. <laughs> so <laughs> like, and so yeah, like these wounds are deep. But because I didn't talk about them for 30 years, does not mean they did not happen. Yeah. You know. I don't know why we are so resistant mm-hmm. to believing women, but mm-hmm. we would, we care about property more than we care about women. Like mm-hmm. somebody stole my car. I believe you. Yeah.
1: Somebody stole my computer. I
0: believe you. Yeah. And Somebody even raped with, me.
1: Oh, did they? Yeah. Like how many drinks did you have? And yeah. it, even with Bill Cosby and stuff, people still think he's people innocent. i still think and I'm he's like innocent. Oh my God. Like he was literally proving guilty. Yeah. Like he was drugging and raping women yeah. for years. <laughs> and it's, it's hard and i think that like i know that it affects people the way they see men as a whole sometimes Mm -hmm. and that can be a little hard but i mean when you see other girls like coming forward with stories like this and they get you know trolled by all these guys like what is your advice to them to kind of move past it
0: i think that i've thought a lot about that um When you're speaking your truth, as you speak your truth, the person isn't hearing your truth. They're hearing their truth,
1: Mm.
0: if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like it's a filter that's going in and there's like literally, whether it's your aunt or some idiot Mm
1: -hmm. online
0: that is behind a name that is an idiot name, you know, or a coworker. Um, You can't control it. But that doesn't mean it's not going to affect you. Mm -hmm. I would say feel it and move on because you can't let somebody who doesn't have any impact in your life control, like, how you live your life and how you move forward and how you heal. Mm Because that's really what's important. And it's easier said than done. I mean, you know, like, you read a comment and you're like, really? Mm. And then you, you obsess over it like crazy. But at the same time, I think, you know, I had my philosophy is as you go through life things come up that it's it's what integrity is to me things come up and you you're like that doesn't feel right for me that doesn't feel right for me to cross that line mm-hmm. and and then you make a stand or you tell your story or you tell your truth and if you can tolerate the backlash or the consequence that comes from it then you're standing in your own integrity and mm-hmm. if that's okay with you then you did the right thing mm-hmm. and if it feels too much, then you can you can back off of it, and but some of the people that we've known that have come out against people that are famous, I mean, they take some really serious hits and death threats and mm-hmm. you know things like that. And is there healing from coming forward? I mean, Christine Ford Ford's a perfect example. How does she feel today? Yeah. What we taught Amer- young women just this month or last month in this country, we taught them do not speak up. Mm -hmm. that's what we just taught American women Mm -hmm. do not speak up Mm -hmm. but we should speak up if it feels right to you if not then get you know kind of get help privately or talk to somebody Mm -hmm. privately and you don't have to make it public a lot of people have been sharing their personal stories I wasn't expecting this of abuse after the article came out and and which is great I'm not necessarily equipped to to handle it (laughs) right yeah um but Being there for somebody who reaches out to tell their their truth, you know, if individual people, we can say, you know, support that person. Don't question that person, especially if you're a man and you're listening. Yeah. Do not think that you have something to offer this woman as an answer because you don't. Mm -hmm. Just listen. listen.
1: Yeah. And I think that a big theme of everything we've been talking about, like even in business and even in dealing with personal issues is that as a woman, it is okay to speak out and speaking up is, is something that you can do and that it's okay in every situation. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's definitely something I've learned even just talking to you for what, 30 minutes <laughs> we've been talking? Um, and I think it's very helpful to see that, you know, it's okay for someone to come forward and that there can be healing from that even if it's with other women who come to you, mm-hmm. you know? And
0: yep. and I hope the article, you know, because they had asked us at some point to one of the edit piece edits, uh, like for him, what do you think coming forward? Do you think this will help change opinions or change the world in any way? And his answer was like, I just wanted to apologize to Donna. Like, I mm-hmm. don't think anything I have to say will change anybody's opinion on or mm-hmm. so much broken, you know, but I don't agree with that. I think that the story should tell you a couple of things. It should tell you if you feel the need you feel bad about something you've done in life, don't hesitate to reach out. Mm-hmm. Conversely, don't have expectations of what that reach out is going to mean mm-hmm. because they could just absorb it and you'd never never answer you or, you know, be angry and be like, get away from it. You know, that's mm-hmm. not the point. The point is you doing what feels right for you and you – that's him standing in his truth, mm-hmm. you know. I need to find her. I need to apologize. Half of the world thinks that that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. And it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. Because I don't think it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. And it's the person who beat me. Mm-hmm. So truly, that's what healing is. Yeah. To me. Oh,
1: feel like, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, everything you've been saying, it's just been so powerful. And I'm really thankful that you were here yeah. today and you could come on not only to talk about this but to talk about business and to talk about just being a woman and being strong and um I before we go I just want to see you know where can people find you if they want to connect or Oh um
0: I am uh at best of donna cross platform <laughs>
1: Okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> perfect uh, best of donna <laughs> um yeah and well. then like we we didn't get to uh the foundation but i will oh, yes. say i will say I, I have a foundation and i give uh we give out scholarships to women uh at ucb about about eight thousand dollars a year mm. in uh, scholarship money but the importance to that is like i started a scholarship way back you know when i was at discovery channel and i only did it i wanted to give back so my i would like to encourage people that you don't have to have money you don't have to like you know i don't have a try i'm some idiot from South Georgia I I, this is I have no uh, you know I'm nobody special so as long as you you know take a look at what you can do in the world whether it's volunteering or get for me it was like can I change maybe one person's life is that okay Mm -hmm. you know is life changing to get a comedy scholarship maybe maybe not I don't know but um I would always be looking for a way that if you want to give back to the world and for me it's like Women don't necessarily treat women well in the business world. Mm-hmm. And this was my way of thinking, maybe at some point I can create a, uh, a group that women, if they're helped, that they can reach back and help. And there's enough room at the top yeah. for everyone. Um, but no matter how you and your financial situation or your time situation is, you can always find a way that works for you to do what you believe in and to give back in a way that is meaningful to you. So I would encourage anybody to, from a volunteer standpoint, whether it be money or whether it be time, make that a part of who you are and make that a part of your mission in life to succeed because it will give back to you in so many ways that you didn't know and you will be a much more, it's not like I'm preaching, but a much (laughs) more well-rounded person. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you,
1: guys. Please let me know how you feel in the comments. This is wonderful. Um, And I guess we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye.